0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of LaToya Figueroa, a 24-year-old woman who disappeared from Philadelphia in July 2005. At the time LaToya disappeared, she was five months pregnant and the mother of a seven-year-old. A month after LaToya disappeared, her body was found in a lot in a suburb of the city. At the time, LaToya's story was pretty much unknown by the public. This is LaToya's story. Have you ever heard the term missing white woman syndrome? It's a term used to describe the way in which the media, particularly TV media, disproportionately covers the cases involving missing young white women from upper middle class communities. We all know that Black women and women of color don't get fair coverage from the mainstream media. They sometimes come from communities that are low-income, but even when they don't, they still don't get the same coverage. And all Black and brown people don't come from poor communities. We live in every community, and no matter where we come from or what the story is, the mainstream media does not care. LaToya's story became a victim of missing white woman syndrome in many ways. In 2005, if you were not living in Philly or the surrounding suburbs, you probably did not hear about the disappearance of LaToya Figueroa when it happened. For those who don't know already, I'm from Philly. And in 2005, you know, I was getting ready to graduate from high school I was old enough to understand that the world was cruel, but still naive enough to think that there was good in everybody. I was living a world apart from LaToya, the mom and the waitress. LaToya Figueroa grew up in West Philly. Now, many of my listeners are not from Philadelphia, so you might not know what West Philly is like, or should I say was like. Because like most of the city, the gentrifiers have moved in and are quickly changing the landscape of that neighborhood. But West Philly in the 90s was pre-gentrification, and this area, like many others in Philly, struggled with crime and poverty. And so the Philly LaToya grew up in was that Philly, not the gentrified version. But beyond the neighborhood she lived in, the odds were stacked against LaToya from the beginning. And it started with the murder of her mother when LaToya was just four years old. In 1985, Ann Taylor, LaToya's mom, was found dead in the street in northeast section of the city. She had been stabbed in the neck. Now, I couldn't find any information about Ann Taylor, or her murder, other than how she was killed. But her mother's death haunted LaToya, and she always feared that she might meet the same fate. After LaToya's mother died, she was raised by her maternal grandmother and other members of her mother's family. People who were close to LaToya said that she struggled growing up without her mother, like most people would have. I mean, losing their mother so tragically and... At such a young age. Her father, Melvin Figueroa, also lived in the city, but in the southwest section of the city. There isn't a lot of information about their relationship, but LaToya's friends said that they were not close. LaToya went to West Philadelphia High School, which, speaking of gentrification, is now an apartment building that has $2,500 a month loss. But when LaToya was at West Philadelphia High School, she participated in a few activities, and she really loved music, and so she ended up joining the choir. But in high school, LaToya was also going to lose another person that was close to her, her grandmother, her mother Anne's mother. She died, and LaToya ended up living with her uncle. And that was just another devastating loss for such a young life. Now both her mother and her maternal grandmother were gone. But life for LaToya would change dramatically in a different way in high school, too. When LaToya was 17, she got pregnant. While in the choir, she had met a boy named Anthony Williams, and the young couple started dating. The high school sweethearts fell for each other really quickly, and before you know it, Latoya was pregnant. Latoya ended up giving birth to a little girl, and for a new mother whose mother died when she was so young, being a mom was the most important thing in the world to Latoya. After high school, like a lot of young love, Latoya and Anthony's fizzled out, and they went their separate ways. But despite ending their romantic relationship, the young parents maintained a really cordial co-parenting relationship. Latoya never got a chance to go to college. It just simply wasn't in the cards for her. In high school, she had dreamed about becoming a nurse, but working to take care of her daughter took priority over going to school. Around 2003, LaToya started working at a TGF TGA Fridays that's in Center City, which is what we call downtown here in Philadelphia. And the Fridays location LaToya worked at was actually a really popular location. It was right on the Parkway, which is, you know, right in the middle of the city, right near where the art museum is. And that same year, ironically, that LaToya started working at that Fridays, I actually had my 16th birthday dinner there. And now that I kind of realized that she worked there, I always wonder, like, did our paths ever cross? Because I actually went there a lot. So by 2005, Latoya had been working at the Fridays for two years, and her daughter was now seven. Latoya was only 24 at this time, and she had been dating a few guys. And then she eventually met a guy named Stephen Poaches. Now, it's not exactly clear how LaToya met Stephen, but my assumption is that from the beginning of this relationship, things were very rocky. Now, LaToya would eventually get pregnant again, and this time it was Stephen's. And despite the issues in their relationship, LaToya's family and friends say that she was excited about her pregnancy, and she was especially excited that she was going to be having another girl. But in July 2005, all of LaToya's worst fears came true when she disappeared. Because she never got a chance to meet her newborn baby or finish raising her seven-year-old daughter. On July 18, 2005, LaToya had a prenatal appointment at Pennsylvania Hospital, which is located in downtown Philly, aka Center City. Now, Latoya had asked Stephen to go with her to her appointment. Latoya met Stephen at his home in southwest Philadelphia, and they drove downtown to check on the health of their unborn child. Now, according to reports, when the pair got to the doctor's office, they were unable to pay the $35 copay, and therefore they left without seeing the doctor. Now, I don't know, but for some reason, I really don't believe that they couldn't pay the copay. I, I think it was something else. Like, I don't know why, but it's just odd because Latoya would have known, you know, that the copay was thirty dollars, $35 before she got down there. And so I kind of think that, you know, Stephen probably told her that he was going to pay the copay or they maybe had some discussion about it. And then once they got down there, he either changed his mind or he was just being a jerk. But the fact that they, you know, just didn't have the money altogether together just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So according to the initial reports, after LaToya and Steven left the doctors, they went to go get something to eat at a local takeout restaurant. And then they went back to Steven's apartment for a little while. Now, according to Steven, LaToya stayed at his house until about 3 p.m. and then she left but that was the last time anyone saw or spoke to LaToya. Anthony, the father of LaToya's oldest child, noticed on the 18th that something was off. He had tried to call LaToya, but she didn't answer the phone, which was odd for her because she always had her phone with her. So the next day, July 19th, Anthony went to the home that LaToya had been living at with her daughter and her uncle and her cousin. Now, he still hadn't heard from LaToya, but he went to the house to pick up their daughter. Now, when Anthony got to the house, their seven-year-old daughter told him that her mom didn't come home the night before. And Anthony immediately started to worry Latoya was already not answering the phone, and now he finds out that she never came home the previous night. Latoya took nothing in life more seriously than being a mom to her daughter, so she wouldn't just be out all night without anyone knowing where she was. The first thing Anthony does is call the Fridays where Latoya worked to see if she was there, but Friday's tells Anthony that LaToya didn't show up for her shift that morning. Now, there are conflicting reports about whether or not LaToya was scheduled to work on the 18th. Now, the restaurant would not comment about LaToya, but Anthony was able to confirm that LaToya was supposed to work the next day, the 19th, but she never showed up. Now, Anthony, at this point, is sure that something is wrong, so he decided to first try local hospitals in case something had happened to LaToya and she ended up there. Now, a couple of months earlier, LaToya had been robbed, and so Anthony, you know, he really just wanted to make sure that she was okay. But there was no sign of LaToya at any of the local hospitals, After a few days, on July 21st, Anthony informed Latoya's friends and family that she was missing. And then he called the police to file a missing persons report. As soon as Latoya's family and friends learned that she's missing, they immediately start searching for her. And once police received the report that Latoya was missing, you know, it had been over 48 hours. And so, they launched an investigation. Police started speaking to the people closest to LaToya, but no one had spoke to LaToya since the 18th. Within days of LaToya missing, her family was posting flyers all over the city. They started contacting local news media in an attempt to bring more attention to LaToya's story. But it would take several days before the Philadelphia media would really pick up LaToya's story. And it was mostly because LaToya's family and friends became hard to ignore. Now, a distant cousin of LaToya's was a city councilman in Philadelphia at the time. And that, along with the pressure from LaToya's family, really helped push LaToya's story into the headlines here in the city. And once people began to learn about LaToya's story, almost everyone was fascinated by the story of the beautiful missing pregnant woman. In a city like Philly, we see a lot of violence, and and sadly, we are almost desensitized to the violence that's going around us. But women don't really go missing in this city, not like how LaToya went missing, And so her story, when it hit the news, people really started to pay attention. As police investigated the disappearance, they learned that as far as anyone knows, the last person to see LaToya was Stephen, the father of her unborn child. Now, when police initially speak to Stephen, he tells them that when LaToya left his home, she was fine. He said that she left peacefully, but he didn't know where she had gone after, and he hadn't spoken to her since that day either. Now, early on, people, including LaToya's family, had suspicions about Stephen, but the police said that he was being cooperative. Now, LaToya's father, Melvin, quickly became the other face of the story. Despite reports that LaToya and her father didn't have the best relationship, when she disappeared, he did what any father would do. Melvin, along with the rest of LaToya's family, held vigils for LaToya and pleaded to the public to help them find her. The missing person flyers with her picture were all over the city. But days went by I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. As the search for LaToya continued, the public suspicion of Stephen grew. Despite the police telling everybody that he had been cooperative, people knew that in cases like this, uh, the significant other is usually a suspect. Now, police had talked to Anthony, who was ruled out. Him and LaToya's relationship was fine at the time, and so there was no motive for him to harm LaToya. Police also spoke to other men that LaToya had dated previously, but none of them were ever considered suspects either. And as the days went by, more information about Stephen and LaToya's relationship started to emerge. At the time LaToya disappeared, her and Steven were not together. And apparently, Steven had gotten another woman pregnant a few months before LaToya. So Steven wasn't just expecting one baby, he had been expecting two. So Steven had a lot going on, but police didn't know if that made him a murderer. A little over a week after LaToya had disappeared, police searched Stephen's car and apartment, but didn't find anything suspicious. No blood, no DNA. However, when police searched the home, they did find out that there was a woman listed on the residence. And they learned that that woman, whose name was Lisa, was the woman who had just given birth a couple of weeks earlier. To Stephen's other child. Now, Latoya's friends say that this woman was his ex girlfriend, but I'm 100% sure that they were more than just exes. I mean, she had legit just given birth to his child. That doesn't really sound very over to me. Latoya's cell phone had not been used since the day she vanished, and there was no activity on her bank account either. So it was pretty obvious from the beginning that LaToya did not leave on her own. As suspicion started to mount on Steven, he was really starting to feel the heat. A local radio show had invited Melvin, LaToya's father, to come on to talk about his daughter and search for her. Now the radio station was Power 99 and it's a local hip-hop and R&B station here in Philly. And he was interviewed during a show that used to come on late night and was hosted by a DJ named Golden Girl. Now, if you're from Philly and you're old enough, you remember the Golden Girl and her show. Now, Golden Girl's show played, you know, slow jams and talked mostly about sex, you know, after hours kind of freaky stuff. But that night that Melvin called in, callers had been discussing LaToya's case And that just lets you know, like, how big of a story this was and how big it became, especially to, you know, the Black and, you know, Latino community here in the city. Now, I tried to find the actual audio from that interview, but it wasn't publicly available. And I assume that's because after the interview, um, the interview was ended up handing handed over to police as evidence. So. When Melvin is interviewed, he tells Golden Girl that Stephen has not been helpful in the search for his daughter. And Stephen was listening. And when he heard Melvin's interview, he was upset. And so he decided that he was going to call into the show that night in an attempt to defend his actions. When Stephen calls into the show he said that the reason why he wasn't assisting in the searches for Latoya was because her family already thinks that he had something to do with her disappearance. And his defense is that he can't trust them because of their suspicions of him. He also says that police are making it seem as if he's ducking them when, in fact, he had just come from the police station before he called into the show. He told Golden Girl that, you know, he wished that LaToya would pop up and so that, you know, all these people would leave him alone. But throughout the interview, Stephen kept referring to LaToya as a female. And you know what he meant by female. You know, you know what men mean when they say female in that way. He probably really wanted to say bitch, but he knew that that wouldn't go over very well. I mean when Golden Girl asked him to at least refer to LaToya as his baby mama, he wouldn't even do that. He, during that interview, you know, he also addressed the rumors about the other woman who had just given birth to his child, saying that he never hid the two women from each other and that he had told LaToya not to worry about this other woman because this other woman wasn't worried about her which, as a woman, I know is a bald-faced lie. First of all, these women did know about each other, but according to LaToya's friends, the women were not getting along. LaToya's friends say that she wasn't a fighter, but up until recently, she had really avoided confrontation her whole life until this situation with Stephen. Now, remember when I said that LaToya had been robbed a little bit before she disappeared? Well, her friends said that LaToya's purse was snatched and that they always thought that the circumstances were suspicious. At the time, LaToya was two months pregnant and had been arguing with Stephen Poaches' ex-girlfriend, other baby mama. They had suspicions that the other woman was actually involved in the purse snatching. But... In that interview with Golden Girl, Stephen actually denies that Lisa had anything to do with LaToya being robbed. In the interview, Stephen came across as cold and unconcerned. If he thought that calling into the show was going to help him, he was very wrong. He showed absolutely no concern for LaToya at all, and he was far more interested in defending himself. He kept calling her a female instead of LaToya or the mother of his child. And it was almost like he was mad at her. He said that when he last saw her, you know, everything was fine. So why was, you know, why was he so angry during the interview? He ended up telling Golden Girl that, you know, if he ended up seeing LaToya again, that, you know, he was going to make sure that she was okay and that he didn't want to see her anymore. But what did Latoya do to him? Like I said, Stephen had told police that when Latoya left his home that day, everything was fine. And now she's missing and he seems angry. So, like I said, the interview did not help Stephen. And shortly after that interview, the police ended up naming him as a purchaser of interest. Now, as the days went by with no sign of Latoya, her case began to gain more and more attention. A reward for information grew to $100,000, which if you know anything about rewards in these cases, that's a huge amount of money, especially in such a short amount of time. But the reward was fueled by donations from Fridays where Latoya worked and rapper Beanie Siegel, who's from Philly, And eventually, bloggers started to notice the inadequate news coverage that LaToya's case was getting. A few weeks before LaToya went missing, Natalie Holloway went missing while on vacation in Aruba. And her disappearance had been headline-grabbing news ever since. Now, eventually, after being guilted into covering the story, some mainstream media outlets did cover LaToya's case. And her story was even featured on America's Most Wanted. But it never garnered the attention that it would have had LaToya been white. After almost a month of searching, police were hitting a dead end. They were unable to find any sign of LaToya, and although the walls had begun to close in on Stephen, they didn't have any actual evidence that Stephen had anything to do with her disappearance. But that all changed when a tip came into the police station from a friend of Stephen's. Javon Alston, a friend of Stephen's, called police to tell them that LaToya was dead and that Stephen had killed her. Javon knew this because he had helped Stephen dump LaToya's body in Chester, right outside of Philadelphia. Now, according to Javon, on the night of July 19th, Stephen picked him up from his home in Chester. Javon said that Stephen had a gun in his hand and told Javon that he needed his help dumping a body that was in the trunk of his car. Javon told police that he was afraid of Stephen, who had this gun in his hand, and so he went with him to a wooded lot that was about 50 yards from where Javon lived with his mother. Javon said that Stephen told him to pop the trunk and help him get this body out. And then he said once the trunk was open that he could see the body was inside of a trash bag. He said he couldn't see the victim's face, but he could see that she was naked and that her hands had been duct taped behind her back. He could also tell that she was pregnant. Javon says that Steven told him to take the body out of the trunk or that he was going to put a hole in his head. He told police that he tried to grab Latoya's arm, but that he just couldn't do it. He said that's when Stephen pulled LaToya's body out of the trunk and that it fell to the ground. And then Stephen drug her body by the feet to the wooded lot and left her there. Javon said he got back in the car with Stephen because he was afraid of him. But once they drove off, Javon said he jumped out of the car and ran away. He said later on that day, Stephen called him and asked him, you know, what was up with him. And Javon said that he told Stephen that he needed to find God and repent. Stephen allegedly threatened him and said, you know what happens to snitches, right? Fear, according to Javon, kept him from saying something to the police about what he knew. But some suspect he only came forward because of the large reward that was being offered. Police soon learned that Stephen had also told another man named Walter Myatt about murdering LaToya and had asked Wyatt to help him move her body. He tells Walter that someone else knows about the murder and he's afraid that that person might tell police and take them to LaToya's body. But instead, unlike Javon, Walter called the police right away. And so police questioned Walter, and when they were satisfied that he didn't have anything to do with Latoya's disappearance, they asked Walter to set Stephen up by agreeing to go with him to move the body. And Walter agreed to help. On the evening of August 20th, 2005, police followed Stephen and Walter to Chester where Stephen led them right to LaToya's body. LaToya and her unborn child were found in that wooded lot where Javon said Stephen had dumped her. She had been there the whole time. She was never actually missing because she never left Stephen Poach's home that night. Stephen had led them right to LaToya's body, and that's where he was arrested armed and wearing a bulletproof vest, Stephen Poaches was taken into custody and charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Stephen Poaches was brought back to Philadelphia and he was questioned by police where Stephen admitted that he killed LaToya. And the motive? Well, according to Stephen... They got into an argument because he wanted her to have an abortion, and she refused. Steven said that during the argument, things got physical, and he let the anger get the best of him, and he strangled LaToya to death. An autopsy would confirm that LaToya had been strangled. Javon had already told police that Steven wanted LaToya dead because she... He had another woman pregnant, and LaToya's pregnancy was costing too much money and conflict with the other woman that he got pregnant. Javon would also later testify that Stephen had tried to have LaToya killed before by getting someone to jump her, but that didn't go as planned. Stephen opted for a bench trial, and him and his attorney tried hard to convince the judge that LaToya's murder was not premeditated and that Stephen made a split-second decision out of anger. But the judge wasn't buying it. The testimony from Javon was damning, and ultimately, the judge found Stephen Poaches guilty of both counts of first-degree murder. After waiving his right to appeal his conviction in order to avoid the death penalty, Stephen Poaches was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Neither Javon or Lisa ever faced any criminal charges in connection to LaToya's death. After Stephen's conviction, controversy surrounded who was actually entitled to the reward money, Both Javon and Walter felt entitled to the money, but Walter only ended up receiving $10,000 of the $100,000 reward. Before the trial, Latoya was buried with her unborn child. The baby she was carrying was a girl that she was going to name Nyla. Nyla's ultrasound picture was carried and displayed at the funeral. In the years following Latoya's murder, the city moved on, and a lot of people forgot about the story of Latoya and her unborn baby. But her family, especially her father, Melvin, could never forget. Melvin spent years trying to help families like his whose daughters were victims, like Latoya. He had even started a nonprofit in her name. But Melvin struggled with his health. And a couple years after LaToya died, he suffered a stroke and had been diagnosed with diabetes. And in 2015, Melvin Figueroa died. The murder of LaToya Figueroa was tragic and unnecessary. But her death started a more broad conversation about the lack of attention women like LaToya received from the mainstream media. The media says it's because victims like LaToya aren't sympathetic to the public. Women who come from low-income communities, who never went to college, or women who were unmarried mothers, who may have had more than one child by different men. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of truth in that. White Americans in general don't seem interested in the stories involving Black women. The excuse is that they live lifestyles that put them at risk and somehow their murder or disappearance makes sense and is almost inevitable. But that's complete BS, really. Because when Black women and women of color are victims of a crime, it doesn't matter if they're married like Andrean McDonald and Sharon Davis. It doesn't matter if they were college students like Asia Adams and Phoenix Colden. Or college graduates like Maitrese Richardson, or if they didn't have any children at all like Keontae Chavis, the mainstream media does not care, and neither does a large majority of the public. But for those of us who do care, we have to continue to share these stories. LaToya had her whole life in front of her. And all she ever wanted to do was to be a mom to her children and give them something that she never really got to have. And that was a mother. And Stephen's poaches, he stole that from her. And her daughters. He will at least spend the rest of his life in prison. Justice was served. But there are other women just like LaToya, whose stories have never been told and whose memories have been forgotten. But I'm going to try to tell as many of those stories as I can using this platform. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. Don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps our show grow so we can continue to tell these stories. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. <laughs>